Welcome, everybody. This is the U.S. Grace Force podcast. I'm Doug Barry, along with my good friend, Father Richard Heilman. we got a great guest tonight, Terry Barber. We're going to introduce him in just a moment, but we want to start everything, as always, with a prayer. Father? All right. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father. All right. Before we get started with the show and introduce our great guest tonight, I just want to thank everybody out there again, our supporters, those who have been encouraging us, your comments, your emails is amazing. We cannot thank you enough for that. So please keep that up. It helps us know what what, what message you want to hear, what comes across well, and really we just want to serve you the best we can. So we thank you for all that. Also want to thank the patrons out there. We hope you're enjoying all the perks that come with being a patron here and supporting this podcast and the work that we're doing with U.S. Grace Force. Also, I want to encourage everybody to please go on and check out our t-shirts, U.S. Grace Force gear page. Got some great t-shirts. I'm wearing my, I'm oh, going to get that in a shot. My, you only kneel for God, right? <laughs> oh, there it is right there. Okay. Nice, All right. Got nice. that in the shot. Go check out the t-shirt designs on the U.S. Grace Force gear page. And don't forget, March 16th to 20th, we have the big opening for our BRC Battle Ready Coalition. Father Heilman is a member of our Battle Ready Coalition. We want you to be a member of the Battle Ready Coalition. We're living in a cancel culture time, which we're going to be talking about tonight with our guest, Harry Barber. And we have got to unite. We've got to come together. We've got to be well-trained, body, mind, and soul. And that's what the Battle Ready Coalition is about. Big Open is 16 to 20. You can go out now, get a link below in the description, get on the wait list. And then when those doors open, sign up and get that monthly online training so we can be better prepared for the fight that we are clearly in the thick of like we never have been before. And I would say, gentlemen, we're in the thick of this fight in ways that we didn't even anticipate maybe just over a year ago we would be in the thick of. Yeah. And Terry Barber, our guest tonight, Terry, you and I are friends. We go back many years Many, many years, 25, probably close 28 years or so, give or take, back when you were running the St. Joe's Communications out in California. I know you're still out there. And you ran Lighthouse and you ran the St. Joseph Research uh, Resource Center. Um, you did phenomenal stuff, or Catholic Resource Center, forgive me. And you did phenomenal stuff. You had big conferences that had seven, eight, ten thousand 10,000 people at times. I was fortunate enough to be able to speak at several of them. And a lot of that dwindled away little by little as the culture just shifted. And I know we've been talking for years off and on, and we talk a lot in the Grace Force here about really the thick of what we're in right now. This is stuff that's been prophesied uh, for many years, even from our Blessed Mother through Akita Japan and other apparitions, church approved, and other great voices like Fulton Sheen, who I know you are very, very fond of. Uh, has also have also spoken. These voices have spoken about the times that were coming, and here we are in the thick of it right now, in ways we never thought we would be in. Uh, Terry, just a, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, why you're here with us. Well, Doug, thank you, and Father, thank you. I really am impressed with all the work you're doing, and the church needs you. Uh, my background: uh, 42 years ago, I went to Bishop Fulton Sheen's funeral, got inspired by him in New York City from Los Angeles. And I wrote to the Propagation of the Faith to get permission to take some LP records that Bishop Sheen did called Life is Worth Living. I got them onto cassette tapes. Some of you might remember cassette tapes. Oh yeah. <laughs> and they went to CD and then MP3. And now I uh, 
I've been promoting Bishop Sheen. I think maybe some of you might know Dr. Scott Hahn. 31 years ago, I recorded his conversion testimony uh, with my wife, and uh, that's been uh, all over uh, the world. And millions and millions of recordings in the last 40 years or plus have gone out. You might even know of uh, Lighthouse Catholic Media that we started back in 2005. The Augustine Institute runs it now. We're in about 8,500 parishes around the country. And uh, now it's downloads. It's not so much the CDs. But uh, I started Virgin Most Powerful Radio three years ago because I've been involved with Catholic Radio since 1985. And um, Jesse Romero and myself do the Terry and Jesse show. And we now have four or five other shows like Bishop Joseph Strickland, who was your bishop in uh, Strickland, in uh, Tyler, Texas with Doug. And we have a weekly show with him every Tuesday. So we just want to share the gospel because we know, Doug, as you said, with this cancel culture, if you're not well-formed in your faith, you're going down. And yeah, yeah. I want you to see you go up because at your exit interview, when we all have it, because life is short and eternity is forever, that's the goal we're trying to do is, like you, help people fall deep in love with Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm looking at you two guys, and I'm reminiscing, and, and not that you're not doing great things right now, but, you know, uh, I just got done writing an article that uh, took me about a week to write. Wow. But uh, I, what I did was I actually pointed to, I'm, I'm a kind of a connect the dots guy, but uh, I pointed to 1973 Roe v. Wade, and that was right after the council. It happened to be my freshman year in high school, and um, I saw the whole uh, Catholic Church just like a, a flip a switch was flipped where it went from uh, relishing our, our traditional um, you know the treasure chest of our Catholic faith to just stripping it out o almost overnight and I I, I kind of linked that to, to 1973 and Roe v. Wade and uh, I know there's exorcists that will say a, a gigantic portal opened up when we um, advocated killing children but uh, anyway but I, and then and then I by the grace of God, I entered seminary, and my seminary days were again. It was like the chapel was a hall with uh, with chairs and no kneelers, and I kind of go on, you know, I, I, I crab about what 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 went on in seminary days, but uh, it was rough, and it was it was. Uh, but what I and then I, I said I, I was ordained in 1988, and we weren't allowed to say the word abortion, oh. uh, and. Uh, we were we it was common knowledge that you said to your parishioners your conscience is greater than God's will okay especially in the area of contraception so that was going on in the church and I actually and I'm leading up to this because I'm looking at you two guys and 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 you are uh, part of what a big part of what I'm about to talk about is I mark anybody can have their own opinion this is mine I mark the rant that Mother Angelica had in 1993 as another flip that was switched. Mm -hmm. And the church started heading in the most powerful and wonderful direction after that. She, she donned the traditional habit. Now, all of a sudden, we can start talking about Eucharistic adoration and, and uh, you know, the Blessed Mother and, and Reverend offering of the Mass and, uh, you know, devotions and all this stuff. It was a heyday, okay? And one of the biggest things from that heyday was leading like lights, and this is where I'm getting to, like you guys, okay? That was in the that 1990s. Uh, I, the other thing I point out is that there was a nickname given to young priests 
um, that they were called the John Paul II priests. Well, I was ordained during John Paul II's pontificate, but I wouldn't get that handle. You know who got that handle? Every young man that entered seminary after 1993. Hmm. And why? Because they were devout and they loved the treasure chest of the Catholic faith. And, and it was just exploding. Scott Hahn and I mentioned uh, like Dr. Janet Smith and, you know, you guys. And, um, and remember that? I mean, it was just, you wanted to just swim in this wonderful um, era that we were in. Uh, with, and, and it was led, uh, I felt what happened with John Paul II was he was alone on the battlefield against all these, I call them, I, I don't want to go to modernism. So I call them aggressive progressive uh, bishops that took control of the church um, after the council and used, and I said they used their uh, spirit of Vatican II narrative to usher in all the, everything they wanted. Okay. Um, but he was alone on the battlefield until EWTN, Mother Angelica, and the army of followers. Everybody was watching EWTN and it was awesome. And you loved it. And mostly you loved it because you're going, it was like a breath of fresh air. We could breathe now. We can we we can be we can celebrate that we're Catholic. We don't have to hide it anymore. We don't have to put it under the rock, you know, and and say, oh, we're so embarrassed to be a Catholic. Is is really what was going on before that time, you know? And uh, we were celebrating our Catholicity. So um, I I guess the question I ask with the, that 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 little thing because this article is so fresh on, uh, that I just wrote, but um, and people can find that at RomanCatholicMan.com. Um, Anyways, um, what I'm yeah, asking is, do you guys see what I see? Do you guys see what I'm seeing, Terry? Did, well, I'll go first, Doug, but I totally agree. I, I met Mother Angelica back in 1982, uh, and she called me her little friend on California because I was always in touch with her, and we collaborated big time. She came out to conferences, and if I can be so bold, a father to tell you a kind of an interesting story. You talk about 1993. That was a World Youth Day. Yep. Uh, but I'm going to tell you about something that happened just a few years later here in California. And that was when Mother Angelica called me up and said through Deacon Bill Stoltmeyer, Terry, your cardinal's coming out with a document called We Faithfully Gather. And I'd like you to overnight a copy because the word is it's not very clear about the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Yikes. Well, being a, an obedient layman, I went and got a copy and overnighted it to Mother Angelica. That afternoon, she went on television. It's still on YouTube. And she gave our cardinal an education on the real presence of Christ in the wow. Eucharist. And <laughs> right. uh, if you recall, Raymond Arroyo did a book on Mother Angelica. Oh, yeah. Asked me if I'll I could blow the thing up before you get your hands on it. Was one of the quotes yeah, that I came told, out of the book. Uh, I, I told uh, Raymond Royal, no, don't tell that story. I'm already in enough trouble. <laughs> now, you know, he's out. He's not our bishop, or, you know, now it's okay. But that story, Mother Angelica said, you know, that uh, she wanted it. I gave it to her. And it really did ignite a lot of people in the issue of the real presence of Christ right. in the Eucharist. So I would agree wholeheartedly that Mother. Uh, was really a catalyst in evangelizing us Catholics who had been and and, and you guys yes yeah I mean, yeah. I mean it was it was Mother EWTN and all these leading lights that rose up during that time I mean just... honestly the Dr Scott Hahn yeah. I've talked to so many priests who have told me that Dr Scott Hahn is what got them through the seminary yeah they were 
not getting good formation. And then they'd hear Romanism and Romans. They hear Hebrews. They'd hear all kinds of series from St. Joseph's. And they go, hey, I got it. I'm just keeping my mouth shut. But when I get to be a priest, you know what I'm going to be preaching. And so I think Scott Hahn, he's kind of like a Henry Newman of our time. Yeah. Convert. And he's ignited a lot of people. And I'm just blessed if people read the book, Rome Sweet Home, they'll yeah. hear the story of how Scott and I met. It's quite interesting. Lots of conversions from yeah. that book. Lots of conversions. Doug, how about you, brother? What's well, your I, yeah, I remember Mother Angelica. I, I go back to this point here. I was at World Youth Day in 93 in Denver when yeah. what happened oh. triggered her. Yeah. And it was after that that she came out with that incredible, uh, you know, moment on TV <laughs> where she looked at the camera and she told the liberals in not too uncertain terms, uh, you've pushed me. Yeah. I'm I'm responding now. So yeah. in, in effect, I'm like I'm tired our of your this. I'm tired of your that. I'm tired. Oh, yeah, of exactly. Yeah. Loved said, it. You think you got you got nothing. It kind of what she said. In fact, you know the title under our under our, our images here, you know, our pictures here is cancel culture revival. Well, back at that time when there was there was this effort to try to cancel the truth of the church, as has been going on since the beginning of yeah. time. Mother Angelica looked at, at looked at that moment as I don't think cancel is going to work here. No, <laughs> honey. Yeah, but we were right. under that weight. The priests were, you know, that don't you yeah. dare deviate. Don't say anything that will trigger snowflakes, okay? Right. Or, and, and tell people, go ahead, you use your conscience ahead of what the teachers of the church teach, you know? And if you didn't do that, you got canceled. Yeah. So the well, cancel so, culture was... Yeah, and just so people realize what what it was it, the, that, that really triggered Mother Angelica was it, in Denver Stadium, they had this massive event where the Holy Father was going to be at the stadium. And I was out there with my, my Radix team it was the beginning of Radix. We'd started it in 1990. And so this is 93. I'm out there. We had a van load of college students who were donating or volunteering time to work with me. And we're out there and we 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 hear and see this happen. They did a a, a stations of the cross right. meditation in the stadium, and they had a woman play Christ. And that sent mother just just yep. like a rocket that she set was, her that, off. She says, that's it. Yep. That's it. And that's when that's when the sisters, uh, their their habit changed and they went back to more of a traditional habit and everything. She just looked at that moment. She she could see clearly the writing on the wall, the direction our culture was going. And she said, not on my watch. And, and this is something I know, Terry, you can speak to as well. Fulton Sheen also warned us. He saw what was coming. Right. He spoke in, in the, you know, he, I mean, I remember a, a talk he gave in 1942 or so. Yes. When he said there are two revolutions happening or two wars, I think he said we're in the midst of one is, uh, is the war that world war two that had just begun, you know, a couple of years prior in the U S entered 1941. And then he said, and we'll win that one. But he said, there's a second one. It is the battle between the man who makes himself God and the God who became man. Wow. Terry, Terry, speak a bit to what you know about Fulton Sheen and how his voice, his prophetic voice, really well, warned us of where we are right yeah. now. I'm going to answer that, but I just have to say, Doug, I had the honor of being at World Youth Day working with Catholic Answers. We distributed 10,000 Scott Hahn CDs on Peter and the Pope. And uh, that was interesting because we did a debate out there in Denver with our Protestant brothers. And I think a lot of fruit came from that with Patrick Madrid and others. But getting back to Fulton J. Sheen, are you kidding me? Fulton Sheen, I would encourage anyone, and I'll just give it away, Doug. We have his Life of Christ on cassette, or actually on a download for 
people want to go get it, just go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. That's his commentary on the scriptures. It's fantastic. But Bishop Sheen was way ahead of his time. This book I'm holding in my hand was printed in 1967. Yeah, it's all falling apart. <laughs> it's called the Quotable Sheen. They reprinted it. But I tell you, uh, Bishop Sheen, you know, seems like this. He says about persecution. I'll give you one example. He says, one great mysterious fact that is not generally known to the world is that whenever there is persecution on the account of the faith, it always results in a vast catch of souls for the kingdom of God. Tutilian was right when he said the blood of martyrs is the seed of the church. So yes. when you gave the title of this show, Cancel Culture or Revival, I'm going to say that there's going to be a lot of, of uh, casualties in this fight for truth. But I guarantee, I guarantee you, Doug and Father, that Sheen is right. There's going to be a revival in the Catholic Church. I agree. Yes, I've been saying that. And, and a lot of people are, oh, you know, end of the world, second coming, three days of darkness. And I'm going, I oh, know. I think we're going to head toward a revival. I tend to be a hopeful person to begin with. But, you know, getting back to that uh, 1993, I mean, it got really bad. I mean, the church was in a terrible place at that time. Um, can, I, can I really, real quickly, I want to, I want to um, read what I wrote about my experience in the seminary at that time. Uh, give, give me a second. Uh, here it is. So I was ordained, um, uh, with its aggressive progressive bishops in total control, my 1980 seminary formation included celebrating theologians who were all later exposed as heretics, scripture study that refuted, refuted miracles as myths, mm -hmm. a seminary chapel that resembled a hall with chairs and no kneelers, sacrament of confession ignored, not one minute of Eucharistic adoration offered in all my seminary formation, those caught with a devotion to Mary were told to leave the seminary and to seek psychiatric counseling for their fanaticism, and homosexuality was celebrated openly. Yeah. That was the condition of seminaries and, and basically the church at that time. And, and, and in the pews, it was, you know, uh, if you had a hammer, I'd hammer in the morning, you know, and, and, and you didn't dare talk about any hot button issue. It was all... You know, Jesus loves you, and isn't this great? And um, it, because, and so, what was happening in the culture at that time? You know, the sexual revolution was in, in you know, yes. in, in in control at that time. Drugs and um, and and everything. But th this this collapse of the culture was happening all around us. And I I again, I think a flip was switched in the early '90s, and especially with Mother Angelica's uh, iconic rant. You mean, that, you mean that, a, that you mean a, set us you mean in a, a switch was direction? flipped? What's yeah. that? You said a flip was switched. Did I really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get now, let me just we, mention. We knew what you meant, but <laughs> hold on. Let me get a cup of coffee here. <laughs> <I'm> gonna... <laughs> that is so true because here in Los Angeles, the largest diocese in the country, twice the size of New York or Chicago, we had similar things going on in our archdiocese. And here's a an story that will give an example of that. A friend of mine who's an LA cop caught three seminarians in a homosexual bar and they were doing some bad things. And so they took the, uh, the guys, they arrested him for bad misbehavior and said, where do you live? Well, we live in uh, uh, Camarillo. That's the seminary where the seminary is. So what? So they brought him back to the seminary and this Catholic cop went to the man that was in charge of the seminary. Rector. Hey, the rector said, look, I got three of your guys. Um, 
they're doing active homosexuality here. What are you going to do about it? Because he's a Catholic guy. He says, you know, you, you got to do something. And they go, oh, Officer Smith, this isn't the first time this has happened. It's uh, no problem. They're, they're fine. Well, everything's going to be fine. Yeah. He comes to me to tell me the story. And he says, Terry, what's going on here? What's right. wrong? I said, you right. nailed it. Homosexuality is rampant in our seminary here. It was. It was. It was. Now it's not. And I'll tell you, I have to give kudos to Bishop Gomez, Archbishop Gomez, his first line of defense. He actually contacted me and asked me what I thought was the greatest need in the diocese. And I said, the seminary. Because yep. where the church leaders go is where the church is going. So my point to you is... Yes, it is rooted out. But 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 real quick, I just want to jump in and say, I just pointed out what's going on in the seminary openly. Yes. You're talking about, look what was going on hidden behind the scenes. Yeah, hidden behind... I mean, uh, when, when a gay man entered seminary in our, in our seminary, yes. they actually put them in the same hallway with That's each other. Imagine well, three in the morning in that hall. Let me give you one more quick story, Doug, and you'll like this one. This is up in Northern California where a friend of mine left the seminary because one of the seminarians was dressed as a woman with high heels and was coming in for morning prayer, and it just drove him crazy. And he said to the rector, why in the world is this guy still here at the seminary? He's obviously not fit to be a priest. He's, he thinks he's a woman. And the rector said, oh, no, he'll be fine as a priest. Well, my friend, who would have been a good priest, left the seminary because of the scandal. So that was going on in 1988. Yep. 19, 1988, uh, two, two priests were ordained. They had a party in a hall, yeah. and they began to slow dance together, and the whole group got around and applauded. Oh, that's horrible. Uh, so, the, you know, the, uh, the, uh, it, I know this is a horror to people, but, we, you know, unless we look at evil and, and, and be honest— Yep. That, that that what evil is doing, uh, will will we'll never um, f uh, find the cleansing, the pure, the purifying that's necessary. That's why this this uh, scandal in the church uh, is is really important. We we've got to go through it uh, in order to uh, learn from it. I agree. And 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 purify the the church once again. And honestly, I do believe that that uh, we've come a long way, and and I think we're doing very well right now. And uh, and I, I see too, and I, I know you guys will agree with me too. Um, you know what the hope of the church is? These young priests. Absolutely. They are amazing. They are amazing. And and why? Because they're devout, and they 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 just they're just swimming in the treasure chest of the Catholic faith. They love. Catholicism and everything it's about, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Father. And right now, both of you, I know, um, you know, Father, your parish in Pine Bluff out there by Madison, and Terry, you have a unique situation. <laughs> if we you do. could explain to people why is it you have you have a different scenario because California has been locked down. People out there, I know, I know a, a gentleman who's up in Northern California. Uh, he told me he hadn't been to confession since or mass since last march yeah. all right and he just was able to go a couple of weeks ago but just it's been tragic up there uh, out there in california where you are and a few other states that have just been locked down so egregiously with everything going on right now and all the, the the hypocrisy and so forth from our leaders that's been really exposed now but you're still in the thick of this out there terry you have a church yeah. but but explain to people what the situation is please. Well, let me tell you they're going to be inspired when they hear how we got the church 
it was right after 2002 when all the, uh, the exposing of all the uh, homosexuality and all the scandals of the church. And this church was the original Sacred Heart Church in Covina, California. And it had been closed for over 30 years. Nobody in, nobody out. Because they didn't want the lay people to be upset when it was going to be sold for housing. Because housing in California is valuable. Well, make a long story short, <clears throat> there's a group of parishioners <clears throat> went to the church, got down on their knees and buried an image of the Holy Family underneath the Sacred Heart stained glass window outside the church. And they prayed that a lay organization, lay Orthodox lay organization would purchase the church. And 20 years later, I was, because of my real estate background, I had to borrow on rental property and we paid half a million dollars in cash to buy the church and the two houses that were in terrible shape. And we've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars restoring it. Now, the Anglican ordinariate, which is a member of the Catholic church, they're converts, the Melkites rent from me here at the church. So we have a bishop's a picture. We're under not Archbishop Gomez. We're under Bishop Lopes out of Houston, Texas, not far from you, Doug. Mm -hmm. So we're, we have the Blessed Sacrament there. So when the shutdown now, went down. It, it, the, the image, just real quick, to inter sorry to interrupt, but the, what we're looking at, the picture behind you, it, it, this is the inside of the church, correct? The inside of the church, which is a Gothic church, and we have no freestanding altar. We have stained glass windows that are magnificent. Um, What's the name of the church again, Terry? Historic Sacred Heart Chapel. If you type that in on the computer, you'll see it. We, 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 we took the communion rails and redid them. In other words, they were gone. We restored everything to what it was like from when it was built. And, and we, uh, uh, we spent hundreds of thousands of dollars restoring the church over these 20 years. Wow. So anyhow, the bottom line is the shutdown comes. And we asked Bishop Lopes, hey, Bishop Lopes, can we continue to open the church and can we have confessions? Because our local ordinary in Los Angeles, all the Catholic churches were closed. He said, yeah, go ahead. I want that. I want the people to pray before the Blessed Sacrament. So we coordinated confessions every weekend on Saturday, and we'd have three or four priests in our church, and people would be coming from, like you say, hundreds of miles away to go to confession. I was advertising it on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. So people heard about this. And I had people crying, Father, because they came into a church and they said, I've been, I haven't been to church in six months being with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. They were crying joy, tears of joy to be able to pray before Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. So we have people coming in the middle of the night adoring Jesus. We have uh, confessions going on. We have weddings. Check this out, Father. Have you ever done 29 funerals in one month? Oh, my gosh. We did 29 wow. funerals in the month of February. Wow. Uh, one, more than one a day. And wow. we have a whole ministry reaching out to people who come for these funerals where they've been rejected by the church, but we welcome them and we evangelize them. Wow. And so Sorry, I'm, not bragging, I'm just saying, God's given us this church to bring people to Christ. And it, it, the church speaks so eloquently about the sacredness. And we have Latin masses here. I'm sorry to have to say, uh, we have the, I mean, sorry to say, we, we have uh, the Ad Orientum. We kneel for communion uh, at the Anglican Ordinariate, communion only on the tongue. That's wow. just there. So point I'm making to do, you and Doug is, we have been so blessed to reach people with this lock, lockdown where they can continue to come and pray and get to mass. We have, we have uh, four masses every weekend. 
Um, this week we had three funeral masses twice in one day. I mean, we're just so busy, you know, with priests and with the bishop's blessing to reach people, even in spite of this pandemic. Terry, Terry, again, what's the the website? People okay, can you can go, go to. to you can go to the Virgin Most Powerful Radio org and get our you know get our website for the radio. But if you type in historic Sacred Heart Chapel, you'll see our website with pictures and everything of okay. all the stained glass windows. And we've been, it's an unusual situation where a layman owns a Catholic church. Mm -hmm. And our goal is, and I'll just be honest with you, a religious order is interested in taking over the church, becoming, and so that we can guarantee, because you know what, Doug, Father, I'm as old as you are. Last time I looked at my birth certificate, I probably won't be here 20 years from now. So yeah. we're passing this great treasure on to a religious order that's very, very orthodox, mm -hmm. and we can continue to reach people with the gospel. Well, I think this was something that both of you are, are, are yeah. kind of sharing in is, Terry, you just say that people will come from three and 400 miles yeah. to come to the church, Sacred okay. Heart, Historic Sacred Heart, yeah. to go to confession and mass and so forth. And Father Heilman, you've said that people have come from three and four states okay. around to come to confession. Talk a bit about that, Father, what you're, because you're, you and Terry, before the show, you're both talking about this. It just, yeah. just blew my mind away to think that both of you are, are experiencing, Father, you're in Wisconsin, Terry, you're in California. They're right. good indicators of where people are, that there are a lot of people who do want revival in the thick of the cancel culture. But Father, what, what are your experiences regarding confession? Well, Terry, what you're doing out there is amazing. And um, it's something that I believe, and I know you do too, we hope it catches on in the Amen. Yeah. you know, and, and, you know, of all the bad things that have happened in this past year, and it's been so hard and challenging for people. One of the good things is, is live streaming oh, yeah. because all of a sudden people went, wait, what? There's a church that does what? You know, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and, and, it, and it got exposure to places like yours. Mine did too. I know Father Altman. Father Altman does what you do. He does the Lat he has a Latin mass and he also does ad orientum, okay, in a beautiful church. Uh, I happen to do the same thing yeah. as what you're doing. I do ad orientum. I've, I've been there I, I eight or nine years now uh, where we had the freestanding altar. It's actually over in my rectory now in a, it's my private chapel. Yeah. Uh, it is beautiful and it's ad orientum in that private chapel. But uh, anyway, but um, so, and we were talking before the show too, and this is a phenomenon that's, that happened is when I got to this parish uh, 15 years ago, um, it, it was uh, dying because there was fewer and fewer people going, but the average age was up around 65, 70 years old. And what we did, what we did, we eased into it. We didn't, we didn't uh, inflict it on people, but we taught and we eased in a little bit here. Like you talked about communion on the tongue and kneeling. I started out with a Prado, a, a, a wedding kneeler uh, in front of me and gave people the option of, of kneeling and receiving on the tongue or standing, you know. Um, and we did that for, I think it was a year or maybe two that we did that before we finally decided to pull the trigger and put in communion rails back in. I'm in a beautiful 19, or 1888 church that's hardly wow. been touched. Awesome. And uh, anyway, so we started implementing all this. Well, uh, not, and then the Latin mass came in and, and uh, a beautiful, you know, choir that sings Latin in four-part harmony and all this, all this wonderful stuff. Well, what, what happened is, and this is what you hoped, 
is that it attracted people that really wanted something that helped them to open their hearts when they're worshiping. And I call it this way, Terry, is um, they more easily receive the gift of awe and wonder or fear of the Lord. And I, I always point to Pope Gregory who ordered the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He put that one first because you, you gotta, you gotta have that awe for God. Yeah. And then all of a sudden everything changes. A, 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 a switch, a flip. What did I say before, Doug? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got yeah. <laughs> but anyways, but anyways, it, flip, yeah. it, it does. But I mean, all of a sudden, it's and the other way I put it, you tear through the veil into the divine life. Yes, and 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 you just love being there, and that's what see Adorientum, the Latin Mass. That's what helps people yeah. to to soften that hardened heart and to receive what God so desperately wants to wants us to receive. Right, Terry? Yes, Father. I want to make a plug for Adoramus. Uh, back in nineteen ninety three, Father Fessio asked me to be on the board for a new organization that Cardinal Ratzinger at the time was. Man, you're dropping some great names. <laughs> he, oh, well, Father, I love Father Fessio. Kids and married my wife and I. So yes, he wow. and I, we go way back. And my point to you though, is this. org is a great website for your listeners to go to, to understand the richness of the liturgy. And uh, I would recommend people to go there because you're going to get what we call the sacredness of the mass and really understand, uh, you know, what the Vatican II document taught when it came to the liturgy, yeah. not spirit of the liturgy. And I want to recommend Cardinal Ratzinger, Pope Benedict's book, The Spirit of the Liturgy from oh, the yeah. That book, in my humble opinion, Father Festo says, is one of the greatest books Ignatius ever published because the way you worship is the way you believe. That's an old right. act. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So Terry, if you could, I think for the sake of the audience yes, and listeners and viewers and all, describe a little bit about California over the last year. Well, describing, you got to remember, we have five and a half million Catholics in Los Angeles. Mm. So picture that because that's probably more people that are in the state. I mean, Texas is a big state, but Wisconsin, this is a huge amount of people. I think it's 15 million in LA County. So they shut the churches down and to be honest with you, we just were like, people were like stunned. Like, what? We can't go to church during Lent? Wait, wait, it just, and so um, we were all struggling. What are we going to do? And a lot of my priest friends were doing things quietly, you know, because we were told that you can't even hear confessions. It's forbidden to hear confessions. I'm like, that's not what canon law says, <laughs> that, you know, uh, all the, it's for the salvation of souls, we're supposed to do all this. So there was a lot of, of people being frustrated, but what what was so sorry about it was Doug is that so many Catholics got out of the habit of going to adoration, going to confession, uh, saying their prayers, and even with the streaming, uh, you know that only can go so far for people. And you know a lot of people would be streaming a mass and eating a hamburger at the same time. Mm. They just didn't get the sacredness of right. watching a mass, and so. It was very difficult. And even today, my pastor friends, unless it's like St. Joseph's in Pomona, they're, they're, they're full. Everybody went there because the priest really went the extra mile with outside masses. Some of the parishes are doing creative things that I, don't, I mean, like, out, you know, where you have a communion service or, or where you, you know, do weird things to, to, to but I mean, I, the point I'm saying is it was all like a shutdown and people didn't know what to do. 
And then when you offer your church being open and confessions and you're offering the holy sacrifice of the mass, they just come because they're hungry. But the sad thing, Doug, is so many souls that were coming to mass are no longer going. Even now the churches are starting to open up and they're getting very few people like a, a parish with, are you ready for this? 4,000 families. <clears throat> they might get 250 people on a Sunday to go to mass now. That's wow. sad. See, and to bring these yeah. people back, we already communicated that mass wasn't that important, in my humble opinion. And so it's going to be difficult to bring those souls back. But I think by sharing our witness and our faith, we can do that. I Just a shameless plug. I wrote a book, How to Share Your Faith with Anyone. And I want to encourage people, this is the time to share your faith when people have fallen away from the faith because they know they're, they're missing what's going on in life. They see the tragedy of our culture and they're looking for answers. And really, we know the answer of Father and Doug. It's Jesus Christ and his bride, the right. church. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I was just thinking now too, uh, I talked about Mother Angelica and EWTN. People have to remember that there was an internet at that time, or at least it wasn't the way it is right now, right. where you could find all this, these videos and, yeah. and information and all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, it was very limited. Right. So EWTN was it. And, and praise God, it was a amazing it at the time. Yeah. And, and this, this revival entered into the church. Like uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, I, I was even recounting that, um, during the in the in the heyday of this revival at the peak of it um and i i say that the it peaked with with benedict because i think you know he was john paul ii's best friend they went out to dinner every friday night you know all all our life i think it was but uh but he took what john paul and catholics that got behind john paul remember i remember i said he was alone on the battlefield for a long long time the first 15 years maybe of his pontificate but then all of a sudden you guys okay and a lot of leading lights and all these catholics that that wanted to be catholic again got on board and this it was like a beautiful wonderful army that 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 coalesced with each other and uh and it was just an amazing period wow. now here's where i'm going with that though all right is that and this is i'm a connect the dots guy is that i believe that that all was a heyday up until 2013. And I think that we faced a great challenge in that year. And here, here's the here's th first three things I'll point out about 2013. It was, this, it was the beginning of Obama's nothing to lose second term. Okay? Pope Benedict resigned that year. Yeah. And, uh, it, and those things happened within a couple of weeks of each other. Okay. And the third thing is, is that Baghdadi coalesced all the Islamic forces into ISIS. And that wasn't far away from that, that time. But what was happening at that time, all of a sudden it was like the devil was saying, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this resurgence of Catholicity. I am, I am, I am coming in. I am, I am, I am assaulting this right now. And we've been facing that since 2013. Look at uh, was Obergfell uh, SCOTUS. That was 2015. Right now, men can go into a little girl's bathroom. 
Um, you can you can kill a baby at the moment of birth, and they're talking about after birth. Okay, they're just they're they're just bum rushing all of this stuff. The religious freedom, little sisters of the poor. Yeah, you're going to pay for that abortifacient. You know, I mean, it's it's and we're sitting there. It's like we're in shock. You know that that all this is being rushed in at this time. And you know what else has happened at the same time is our families, our friends are being indoctrinated in this radical secular atheism and, and they're being schooled, trained to hate you and me. All this is happening right now, okay? And here's, here's my frustration. As this is coming in, priests like me, Terry, you, uh, other people, we're getting canceled. Yep. We're being told to sit down and shut up because you know what? The greater thing is that we all get along and we're and there's unity and we don't want to have all this, this fighting going on. And I'm going, I don't think so. And, and you, know what, you know what I'm saying? Tell me, yeah. That's not what mother Angelica did. Okay. okay. She, she said, I am done enough. Amen. Okay. And that, that switched to flip. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but my point is, yeah. is that, is that we, we have to, and again, I'm not, they're using tactics we can never use. Lie, cheat, steal, yes. you know, uh, detraction, calumny. We can't use any of that. But do we got to be clear that no, you know, I, I've been saying, why aren't the bishops standing up there was an interview with uh, candidate Biden where he was asked if a little eight-year-old boy wants to change his sex, is that, is that, and can he go ahead and do that? Go to a surgeon and mutilate your body. Can he do that? And he said, yes. And, and I, I, I said in them, why didn't the bishops get up on top of their chairs and shout? Okay. No. Um, instead we got to not, you know, we don't want to trigger snowflakes and, and you see some, so this is what I'm, this is what I'm seeing. Uh, are you guys seeing this too? Oh, uh, this Haiti of the Catholic church is just getting brutalized since 2013. And now in this last year, I mean, come on, censorship, bullying, uh, you know, sit down and shut up. You know, we're, we're coming at, we're coming through here and you, you cannot say anything. And what we're getting from our superiors is, yeah, we don't want to get into the little turf war fights because that's divisive. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Are you guys seeing what I'm seeing? I, of there course. You. And yeah. Father, you've got faculties, okay, as a priest that can be taken away. Doug Barry, last time I looked, and Terry Barber, we're laymen. So we can actually say even more than you. Because of but your... if the spiritual leaders aren't saying it, this gets back to abortion. Yes. For, for, for 20 years or so, uh, 25, uh, 20, yeah, 20 years, we were told you cannot say the word abortion, okay? So the lady are going, well, if they're not making a big deal out of that, if they're not unnerved by abortion, why should I be? It has to start with the spiritual leaders, okay? Yeah. Yes, it has to. And I've been told, I've been sold that bill good too. Well, it's really the laity and no, <laughs> you have to, you have to lead the way you have to set the example. 
yep. you have to you have to buy your by mother angelica's and 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 so many others by your passion for this you have to you have to say this is how important this is i agree yeah well, well doug i will let you respond because i want to quote a pope saying something that I think everybody's going to want to hear. I'll just do it real quick. St. Pope Felix III, back in 475, said, not to oppose error is to approve it. Think about who this is going to. He said, not to oppose error is to approve it. Not to defend truth is to suppress it. And indeed, to neglect to confound evil men when we can do it is no less a sin than to encourage them. I actually believe that, Father and yeah, Doug, yeah. and I believe that we have to speak out. Doug, I want your response, but I want to quote something to both of you that you've probably never heard, and maybe your listeners never heard, from, from uh, Pope Pius XI and, and back in 1949. But go ahead, Doug. You're, I want to hear your response. Well, I just think about what was written in the, you know, the encyclical by Pius XII. Um, yep. no, I'm sorry, this was Leo XIII. Leo oh, XIII. Christians as citizens. Yeah. And it, and I'm pretty sure it's chapter 14, where, yeah. or paragraph 14, where he says that silence on the part of the good only emboldens the wicked. Okay. He actually states that it's an insult to God. And that's Amen. something that I just cannot emphasize enough. It's an insult to God to be quiet in the face of evil. Well, you know, sir. it is completely contrary to what we're, we're wired for, because he says prior to that, moreover, the Christian is born for combat. So mm -hmm. we're built for the spiritual warfare. You know, paragraph four and nine of the catechism states that man's existence on earth is spiritual combat until the end of time. So our Lord tells us, and it is at great cost to man that he has to fight for his inner dignity and so forth. That our Lord tells us that's in the catechism popes, as you mentioned, Pope Felix to Leo the 13th, who wrote the St. Michael prayer. Yeah. We have been told this because this is age old, the demons, the devils always attack, always try to cancel out the church. We've had great spiritual leaders in the past who've said, not on my watch. I say this goes back even to King David in the Old Testament with Goliath. When that, that spirit of David, that David up DNA, he said, not on my watch. I'm not going to let this happen. And he turned it all over to God. He used his own personal skills that God gave him that he had trained up in, and he engaged but he didn't just sit on the sidelines looking around saying, hey, who's going to deal with this big guy with the big mouth? Yeah. <laughs> he stepped up and said, I'll do it because God gives me the strength and the grace to do it. But in this time, it's now on us. And yeah. if we don't do it, I'll just say, I'll close with this, Terry, then give it to you. If we don't do it, we will see more chaos. Well said, Doug. I've got to share this. February 20th, 1949. I got this out of a good friend of mine, Father Charles Murr, a book. Uh, Sister Pascalina was the secretary for Pope Pius XII. Here's what happened on that day. He was addressing a series of questions. Father Doug, put yourself at St. Peter's Square right now. You got your hat on? Okay. And, uh, and then listen to what the Holy Father asks at St. Peter's Square with an enormously large crowd. The Holy Father says, Doug, Father, do you want a church that remains silent when she should speak? And hundreds of thousands of people yelled, no. And then the Holy Father says, when she should, do you want a church that diminishes the law of God when she's called to proclaim it loudly? And all the people said, no. And then the Holy Father says, do you want one who accommodates to the will of man? And everybody yells, no. 
And do you want a church that departs from the unshakable foundations upon the church that founded her? No. Do you want a church that takes the easy way out of adopting herself to the opinion of the day? No. Now it goes on. It's a whole talk. But I'd never heard about this before. And I'm saying to myself, wow, that's leadership. Okay, I, I had to share that one because I, I just, when I read that the first time, I was like, wow, I'd love to hear everybody say no. I'm not so sure they'd say no, Doug and Father, right now. Yeah, no, I think we, we hear yeah, just. Did you guys know about that talk? Father, no, you know about it, Doug? no, no. <laughs> I get excited because you know what, Father? This is how we are going to. Bishop Sheen says this you want a church that's right when the world is wrong. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's not about left or right, it's about right. up or down. Amen, right? brother. Yeah. Yep. I'm with you. Sorry, I got a little carried away there, Doug and Father, but... I loved it. It was this is, awesome. This is important. We need clarity with clarity. We need to be confirmed yes. with faith right now. With yes. the perennial yeah. teachings of the church. Yes. Yeah. Now, er earlier, Terry, you made... At the beginning of the, of the uh, podcast, Terry, you yeah. made mention about uh, the cancel culture. And if people are not well-versed in the faith, that oh, they don't yeah. take the steps to learn their faith, get trained up, you know, which is, you know, shameless plug for me here is Ballard yeah. Coalition. That's what we do on a monthly basis. We Good. send out a lesson, a video lesson Good. and a manual to encourage people to be better trained in the faith. But you said something about that, Terry, that if we don't, that we're going to fall prey to this cancel culture. We're going to fall prey mm -hmm. to the attacks of, of, of what's happening in our times. You know, break that down a bit more. Well, I break it down is that if you don't know the fundamentals of your Catholic faith, then the world is going to deceive you right. and you're going to live a life without God. That's why, Doug, I tell everybody life is worth living. It's Bishop Sheen's convert course, 50 right. half hour shows. And I make it available on Virgin Most Powerful Radio.org's website. Why? Because if I'm going to buy up your place. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. If you take that course and then you go to an RCIA program that's weak. You can handle it because you know the perennial teachings of the church. The guy saying we don't believe in miracles anymore? Get out of here. Bishop Sheen has a whole hour on miracles that Christ performed. So right. you're not going to be fooled. That's why I'm sad to say that I, I wish I could say every Catholic church was on the same page. But we're living in times where there's um, a lot of error being taught under the guys dressed like father, unfortunately, like Father James Martin is a good example. I'm sorry. He is teaching things that are not part of the perennial teachings of the church. And in my humble opinion, he needs to be removed because it's scandalous to see someone dressed as a priest not preach the perennial teachings of the church. I had to say it at a charity because I want to see that man in heaven. But someone at a charity, you know, like Father Bill Casey said, the most merciless thing we can do is let someone wallow in his sin. I won't let him do that. I'm going to call Father to repent and believe in the gospel. You know, what you just did, Terry, is a great example because the, the gospel this morning was about the mercy of God. Amen. And I preached a little bit about what you did. I didn't specifically name Father James Martin, but I said it's merciful to help people to get to heaven. Amen. You know, I mean, do you really love that person? You Amen. know, and in our culture, we, we, uh, we use false mercy, and, and that is, I'll leave you alone in your sin and let you just die that way. And go to eternal damnation yeah. uh, because that's somehow merciful. Yeah. Uh, and and you know we don't want to again. I always trigger snowflakes or get anybody upset or 
you know, and, and instead, and I, the image I always get back to is God's a perfect dad, that father-son relationship, right? Where the dad wants to pull out the best in the, in the son. So if the, if the son messes up, the, God, the, the, the dad's going to get firm. And he's going to, but that's, a, that's, and here we are in the year of St. Joseph. So let's take a cues from, from dads, but, but it's the whole idea. Do you, you know, does that dad really love the kid enough to, to be firm and, and help that kid to not slip into bad behavior and a bad life and miserable life? Uh, or, you know, he's want, does he want him to live uh, a, a wonderful, virtuous, joy-filled life? But the point is, is that, um, we, we've got to understand what mercy really is. And, and God, uh, you know, uses mercy when he, when it was through his permissive will, he allows us to face challenges in our lives because, and I've learned this, I'm going on 63 this year. You know, I, I end up a better man after having gone through those things. Uh, mm -hmm. I learn through having gone through those things. And so, so, but I want to get to, if you guys want, um, I, I want to get to, I think that, in God's permissive will right now, we are being challenged, and I am so hopeful that we are leading to a revival Amen. like we've never seen before. And uh, I think it's going to come, and we're going to have to pass through some kind of Mother Angelica or Angelicas who <laughs> call out evil and, and for what it is to help all of us, that, that person would be greatly merciful to help all of us understand that if you think it's okay to sh for a grown man to share a bathroom with a little girl, or it's okay to uh, vote for a party that's that's great with killing millions of children, um, you know, you're wrong. You're just dead wrong. Um, in, in other words, to help us to kind of be deprogrammed from the severe indoctrination we've received of this uh, flood of radical secular atheism that that has come in and taken control of the hearts and minds uh but i i, I think i i can't predict what god's going to do but it seems to me that evil is so bad and so arrogant that a lot of people are going to go yuck i i got to get more serious about my faith and 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 i think that's going to lead to this one of the most amazing revivals we've ever seen what do you think terry I agree 110%, Father, and I'm, I'm excited about it. As I'm your age, I'm waiting for that to happen. But I really believe God is going to also use lay people like Doug and other organizations to confirm that because the yep. whenever the church is persecuted, as I quoted Fulton Sheen at the beginning of the podcast, this is going to breed many new converts to the faith. So I'm with you. Doug, how about you? Uh, no. <laughs> come on doug no Sorry. doug's I'm, a kid in the room you know, I'm, so. I'm getting ready for the fireballs they're coming sign, <laughs> no, no. sign me up for that no. <laughs> that time no i mean i i'm hopeful i am hopeful i mean i i, I look at this you know you look at the signs of the times everything happening politically culturally oh. everything going on around us and you you scratch your head and and it can be discouraging i mean so many emails and messages i get from people and and I know you two do as well, where people are just shaking their head, just they can't believe, like the Mr. Potato Head, for example. I right. mean, yeah. really, we're going after toys, a plastic potato, yeah. a plastic <laughs> potato, people. Right. You know, I mean, this is, but, but the fact that we are in this state like this, it is becoming so ridiculous and has already been so ridiculous on so many levels, you know, about, you know, you know, 
the, the whole thing about transgender men competing in women's sports, you know, is I, I think makes the sports world look like some of the biggest dummies out there across the spectrum. Yeah. And yet they, they try to paint this picture and couch this and frame it like it's completely normal. It's completely right. It's completely healthy. And, and we're sitting around going, wait a minute, the emperor has no clothes. What are you talking yeah. about here? Okay. Uh, for those out there who are too young, that's a reference to a, a kid's story about emperor. Just in case that book has been burned in your library yeah. <laughs> you know, or Amazon took it down. But, you know, the fact that these things are happening shows such a degree of ridiculousness that either we are so gone, so lost, that we're just going to continue to spiral into complete chaos, which I don't think is the case. Or, like you're both saying, I agree. I think the, the possibility of a, of a powerful revival is very, very good. If people will just look at things the way they are and realize this is crazy, this is wrong, and if we don't step up and do something, and we can, things are gonna things things are gonna get worse. And I do think you see signs of that right now. You see that with regards to the freedoms that have been taken away from us, with all that's been going on with the virus issue, you know. And you know, we don't want to get into too much of that right now. But I know it's not the focus of the show. But we also see that that has turned a lot of people upside down. But they realize that a lot of our leaders have been hypocrites, and that's even causing people to say, "Wait a minute, I don't think so." So I, I do believe that definitely that possibility is there. But I want to encourage all of our listeners and our viewers right now, be part of this revival. Yeah. Okay? Get Absolutely. on board. Right? Get in the state of grace. Pray your daily rosary. Get into some fasting and mortification if you're not already. What are you, what are you saying there? You're saying get strong. You know? Yeah, get strong. I, I keep thinking that, you know, on the, um, the little uh, logo emblem of the United States Grace Force is, is the Latin per virtutum pax yeah but that is peace through strength yes and that's that's the quote from uh ronald reagan is uh yep. weakness only invites aggression uh no how does it go uh uh we we uh i'll, I'll get it up and i'll get it to you but but yeah. he, but it, it boils down to peace through strength that when we're strong see weakness invites aggression we're mm. weak right now and that's going to be something that we're going to have to come to terms with and we need to get strong and all those ways in which you have proposed doug and and by the way this book um uh, uh, let freedom ring is gives us 40 different thank you gives us 40 different ways to get strong okay yeah. so it points out what the devil's up to each day and then it says okay here's how you get strong okay and so um but one of the things i've been i've been promoting big time and i think you'll both agree yeah. with this is Eucharistic adoration. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think that we are meant to get eyeball to eyeball, you know, face to face, uh, 2 Corinthians 7, 14, you know, uh, if you repent and seek my face, okay, I will hear you from heaven and I will heal your land, right? Um, that I think that more than anything else right now, that we are, and this goods back to that awe and wonder again, you know, that, that we're, we, our heart just softens when we're quiet, and at peace at the foot of our Lord in, in, in uh, Eucharistic adoration. And, and we just get stronger and stronger and stronger in that moment. And I, I think that's one of the big things that we're called to do, among many things, to get strong. And well, Battle Ready Coalition is like exactly you're what you're firing me up because I always close yes. our radio show with this. It's impossible to measure the spiritual benefits and graces granted to those who spend time in the presence of our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. 
as members of the church, the mystical body of Christ, our actions and prayers bear fruit for the church. Every devout reception of Holy Communion, every good confession, every prayer has positive ramifications for the entire church. And so we part of this personal growth in the spiritual life is an apostolic activity. And I want to say that silent prayer should then always be seen in the context of the universal church. Bottom line, our prayers help the entire church. Just right. with your father. And where did, where did, uh, that was, was that Fulton Sheen? Yeah, I got it from Sheen. Yeah, yeah, I recognize. I think I quoted well, that the other day. I actually, my stuff from him. I know, but what, who was Sheen? He 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 was. Uh, he made a vow that he'd yeah. never miss his holy hour before the right. Blessed Sacrament. It's when just, he was asked to speak in any any city or yeah. wherever he went, he yeah. always checked ahead which church was available. You know, while he was out there, because he made a personal pledge, a vow wow. with his holy hour of adoration. And look at the wisdom and the holiness that came Amen, out. Man, brother, full Sheen ahead. Yeah. I mean, he just soaked in graces before oh, yeah. the sacrament. Great man. But I think that's where the revival is going to come from, actually. I think it's going to start. Doug, how about you? you with you agree with us or are you going to say no way? No. Exactly. No, no. It's it's yeah. all over. <laughs> Everything's done. You're having too much fun. We should no, do look, if I if I believe that, I you know, look, I always say, look, I, I know I talk a lot about Marian apparitions and prophecies, yeah. and you know, and I know it's some people will say, Well, it's all so heavy, Doug. It's doom and gloom. I said, No, it's not. It's, you know, the Blessed Mother brings us these messages, church-approved Marian apparitions, where she tells us, if you pray in the rosary, get your daily rosary in, make sure you're making your acts of reparation, your, your sacrifices, mortification, you're, you're engaging in the battle. Okay, yeah. we, we, can, we can, first of all, for sake of our own souls, and then for those that God entrusts to our care, and for the world as a whole. I mean, for her to say in Fatima, where, as Lucia said in an interview with Father Fuentes in 1957, that in the six apparitions, the Blessed Mother came to me and my two cousins. Not once did she ever smile. So the Blessed Mother came with a very sobering message to these three children who were seven, nine, and 10 years old. But the one thing that she repeats in all six apparitions is when you pray the rosary, you can bring peace to the world and you can avert war. So yeah. yes, with, with, and the rosary is a meditation and it's the school of the Holy Family. And if we pray the rosary, we do understand that there's something about taking it to the level of being before the Lord in adoration. Then you bring in the, the quotes, the great quotes from a St. Padre Peel that the world could live better without the sun than the Eucharist. Yeah. I mean, the, there's countless golden, golden treasure in our faith as to what the Eucharist, who the Eucharist should be and is to us. If we choose to cooperate with that grace and engage by just making the time to go be with him. But no, I, look, I just want to say to everybody, we can't be foolish enough to not look at the seriousness of the times. Yeah. If there's a Category 5 hurricane off the coast, you don't just say, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to look at it and think yeah. that it's going to go away. You have to acknowledge it's there. But while you've got time, you take the steps necessary to prepare so that you can preserve life and you can help save people and get people ready. Now that's a natural level. Spiritually speaking, same concept here, folks. We've just got to take seriously what's going on and remember that that the true joy is that that is found even in the face of the category five or the, the diabolical attack. Because we do know when we cling to our lady and our Lord, the rosary and adoration, that's like the two, it's like the two pillars, right, Terry and Father, 
of, of uh, St. John Bosco's dream, the two columns in the sea. One had the Eucharist and then one had, had the image of Our Lady, Mary, help of Christians. Yep. You know, and that ship had to sail to the middle of them, between them, and moor itself to those two columns in order to survive what was going on. Do you know how much I believe in what you just said, Doug? Hmm. I got two columns and I, I, uh, I have them down in my private chapel. And right now, as we're speaking, I have a statue of the Blessed Mother on one and a monstrance, not with the Holy Eucharist in it right now. But, uh, and I plan to bring those up to our state capitol and awesome. start every, sa every Saturday at noon, a holy hour of adoration right oh. out in front of God and everybody with these two pillars. Yes. And, and I'm, just, I'm just saying, God, open and I call it O-P-E-N-A-O-D-A-D-O-R-E. So, but if you say it together, open a door, Lord. Open a door and bring oh, down the power of grace. Yeah. And I, I, that's why I believe, I think right now, uh, I, I think if a person can say to themselves, listen, if I can get to the point where I move from, I'm wasting my time, you know, staring at a cookie, you know, in, in silence to this is the highlight of my day. Mm -hmm. Okay, you've broken through into the divine life. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? That's where the transformation comes. All I can say, guys, is sign me up. And I hope yeah. everyone listening will sign up. Doug, your program that you're giving, can you, I, I, I'm not telling you what to do, but I want people to sign up for that program once a month. What are you doing again so that people yeah. understand that? It's that amazing. Really it's yeah. amazing, Terry. Yeah. Well, thanks, and we got our Grace Force uh, training up on it. That's what the Grace Force is about, uh, training up in spiritual Excellent. warfare and Excellent. then actually doing spiritual warfare campaigns. Go thing. ahead, Doug. Yeah, Battery Coalition is what it's called. And the idea, we started about six, seven months ago. The idea behind it was let's organize a training, online training for people because so many people are having a hard time getting to conferences. They're having a hard time going out, you know, and, and just engaging. And, you know, let's bring it to them. So it's a monthly training where we focus on key topics each month. We send them a video. We send them a manual. Um, we have several lives throughout the month where I'm interacting with them through Zoom. Uh, there's bonus footage that comes out, but it's training body, mind, and soul. So we're helping people get in better shape physically with even some basic exercise and diet to help them be, be sharper. Get rid, of the, get rid of the brain fog. You know, Sharpen right. yourself up so you can be a, a healthier Fatigue. temple of the Holy Spirit. Right. And then you can do the will of God more, 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 more focused. You, know? right. you can do it with more energy and zeal on a natural level. We also focus on the mind, train the mind, train the mind with regards to the teachings of the faith, but train also with the good, holy talents that God has given you so you can bring, bring good things to the world and then train the soul with obviously deepening the prayer and the sacraments. And so we'll pick on, on certain issues. You know, we just, we just finished uh, February was redemptive suffering. Mm. What does redemptive suffering mean? How do we train up in it? And how do we like the age old, you both remember when, when grandma taught you, when you stubbed your toe or had a headache or you were sick, they'd say, offer it up, right? Because unite it to the cross, redemptive suffering, do something powerful with it. So that's one one month of training was redemptive suffering. So we'll be focusing on countless. I mean, we can go forever. You both know we can go forever and never run out of material to eat, to teach and evangelize with in the church. So Battle Ready Coalition, March 16 to 20, we're opening the doors again. We have four opens a year. This is a big one. We're, we're really focusing on it. We want people to go out, sign up, get on the wait list. You Open can a door. Was that? 
open a door. Open a door. That's the door you were praying for. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, but it's 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 just a small monthly fee. There's no contract for it. You you can you can unsubscribe at any moment. We ask people to give it at least two or three months because there is a community. And the number one thing people say they like about the coalition is the teamwork and the community of people who support one another awesome. uh, within the community. And, and people want accountability. They want support and they want clarity. Those are three of the key things we hear over and over from our coalition members. Well, I want to make an open invitation to the Terry and Jesse show to promote this on our show. So don't forget to do oh, that. Oh, nice. Terry. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's really that. amazing. And I always keep reminding people that Doug's been doing this for a couple of decades, yep. you know, this kind of thing. So he's like yeah. the leading expert in all this. So It's like yeah. 37 years. So not okay, as long as Terry, though. Terry's Doug, got me beat. How many times have you been on the Terry and Jesse show in those years? Oh, I like I don't like 37 times. I mean, yeah. a lot. <laughs> I, I say this, Doug, because I say it openly. We want you to come on the Terry and Jesse show because <clears throat> whether you're doing conferences or whether you're doing new programs, we support you because we believe what you're doing is really you have that world biblical view of what the church teaches and people need to hear it. So I want to do that uh, again and uh, just contact me after the podcast and we'll set a date for you to awesome. do that because nice. I support you a hundred percent. That's I'll just say that. Hey, Terry, this Thank has you, been, Appreciate this that, has bro. been great, Terry. I'm looking at the clock. I think we got to wind her up, but, uh, I understand. Uh, and I, I, I'm getting to know you now too. This obscure yeah. country priest uh, that, you know, what he knows <laughs> is, uh, is making a connection with you leading lights in the Catholic church. I'm very privileged to be a part of it. Um, so, so thank God, you. we thank him for it. Yep. God bless you guys and everything you've done you. and are doing. So should we end with a prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. And we pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Thanks again. Mary. This is great. Brother. I really enjoyed this. Oh.